Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I'm your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Wednesday, September 13th, and on today's podcast, we are doing a quick week one review. We are going to head first, deep dive into a week two slate breakdown, and then we are going to take that head first, deep dive into the waters of the DFS world. We are going to go over the high spend options on the DFS slate and cover each position using these betting angles to know which guys we want to target in a DFS lineup. Before we get started in what is always a loaded episode, these slate breakdowns are certainly the highest value content that I could provide. This podcast is going to be loaded with best bets. We are going to be going through every single game on the board and talking about the betting angles, the trends, the relative key numbers, all the jazz that you need to beat the books. And then we are going to take that into, like I said, the DFS world and dominate there as well. Before we get started with all of that stuff, let me remind you guys to follow me on x.com at fiddlespicks, rate, review, and subscribe to the pod, and to follow my Substack, which is a gambling newsletter, the Fiddlepicks Substack, which right now we have a free Chris Olave rookie card being given away. I am doing giveaways every single week, all season long. I'm going to look at the loaded rookie card collection that I have, and then what happened the previous week, and I'm going to pick one of those guys who did well and give away the rookie card. This week, it's Chris Olave coming off eight catches and over 100 yards and a win for the Saints. So if you want an Olave rookie card, all you have to do is sign up for the Fiddle Pick Substack. All you have to do, if you are already a member of or subscriber to the Fiddle Pick Substack, all you have to do is just comment on literally any post and you are in. I'm not asking for all that tag three friends, follow this handle, blah, 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 blah. Nah, no one does that shit. Let's make it really easy for you guys because I want to give away these rookie cards and I want to have some more engagement and get to know all of you guys as well. So let's dive into this week uh, week one review. That's the first place we're going to start. And then we're going to go through the week two slate breakdown. If you've never been, because I assume we have new listeners coming in this season, if you've never been part of a previous week review, I think you're going to love them here on The Advantage because I come prepared knowing that the value that I add is understanding and analyzing the gambling market. There are so many great podcasts and great people who will review the games, who will do a little overreaction, underreaction, who will go through exactly what happened. That's not how I use my time. That's a waste of time here. So go check out all those other podcasts that are breaking down what had happened the week before. All you need to know about the advantage is that we fucking crushed it. The picks that I sent out in the graphic went 9-2 and two and brought home plus 9 units. Overall, for the week, I was plus nearly 7 units. So that is an absolutely astronomically dominant start to the NFL season. I have... Um, checks my watch. Nope plans of slowing down anytime soon. And uh, the only other thing that I want to add to these week in reviews is just a quick, what was the most important number of the week? So let's go back to last week's scores and quickly realize that the number one ended up being the most important number of the gambling week. Three games ended on the number one. They were the Raiders taken over the Broncos. Those aforementioned Chris Olave Saints beat the Titans by one point. And I don't know why I'm... Oh, it was that Thursday night Lions taking over the Kansas City Chiefs also winning 
by one point. So when I did the key numbers podcast, maybe two weeks ago, again, one of the most important podcasts that you can listen to if you're consistently betting NFL, we went over the top five most important key numbers for the NFL. They were three, six, seven, 10, and 14. That's in numerical order, not the weighted order. The sixth most important number that would come on that list is actually number one, which reared its ugly head in week one, where the number one was the most important number of them all and having three games end on that magic number. So let's go through this week two lines. Let's start with this Thursday night game. Let's say that the Eagles opened as a six-point favorite in the week look-ahead bet. So even before any week one games were played, the Philadelphia Eagles were a six-point favorite. And I jumped on that on June 18th. I submitted a week two bet on June 18th earlier this summer because I knew the Eagles were home. I knew this was a short week Thursday game. I knew the Vikings and the Eagles played each other last season with these same core lineups and the Eagles were dominant. And I knew I was selling on the Vikings early this season. I was not playing against the Bucks, but I was very uh, cautious of the Vikings on the week one slate breakdown with no bets on them. So having all these angles, I played Philadelphia Eagles minus six in a week in a week look ahead spot. Now, when the lines reopened, it came in at plus or minus eight. Wow. So two points of big movement through some very important numbers. Six and seven were both on that key numbers in the top five list that I just said. And if I were to keep going through the top 10, eight would have appeared as well. So it moves through the six, seven and on to the eight. And then right away, I would assume a lot of people in the same mindset as me started buying back the plus eight. I ended up buying back the plus seven and a half. So I'm walking into this game with a unit and a half on the minus six and three quarters of a unit on the plus seven and a half, trying to hit a middle or trying to just at least buy back some exposure on that original big bet. The reason why this line is bouncing is a mixture of public and sharp action on the Eagles originally. So handle on or on the Eagles to start. We see 63% of the bets placed on the Eagles. We see 64% of the money being bet on the Eagles. So this is both of those public and sharps groups, both being on the Eagles in kind of similar weights here. Then we also know that the Eagles faced a wrath of injuries week one. I think we got N'Kobe Dean is going to be out. Perhaps an offensive lineman is going to be out. The Eagles definitely got banged up in week one without knowing all of the actual players. Um, we are also seeing the total start bouncing. So injuries and buybacks are reason why people are trying to take back the Vikings right now. In the totals market, we're also seeing this number bounce around everywhere. Opens at 51, is bet all the way down to 48 and a half. I think also that has to do with some of the injuries and then is now being pushed back up to 49 and a half at some of these books. I'm looking at FanDuel right now. It's 49 and a half. I'm looking at DraftKings. It's 49. Uh, I'm not going to touch these numbers. I'm only playing my bets on both sides of the spread. Pray for me that this game ends in Eagles winning by six or seven. That would be uh, big money fids coming in yet again. If you have no bets on this game, I'll say the same thing I said last Thursday. I don't advise betting it at this point. 
Now, if you had taken my advice last Thursday, you would have been right and saved money. And if you had tailed my bets that I had previously put in, and this is why you don't want to follow bets just because I placed the bet. You have to evaluate the current information in the market. I placed those Chiefs bet on that same June 18th that I placed this Vikings-Eagles bet. So I didn't know that Kelsey wasn't going to be around. I didn't even know that Chris Jones would have still been unsigned. Shout out to Chris Jones. He got a bag this week. Um, So when I say look at these numbers, understand what's happening in the market, and I don't recommend playing it, I go back to my old adage of this is the power that we have as sports bettors. The books have to price these lines. That does not mean we need to bet them. We should only bet ones where we see inherent value, where we see line movement moving through key numbers, where we could obtain an implied probability of a ticket that by the time it kicks off, we have gained closing line value and the expected value of that bet exceeds the implied probability of the ticket we originally have. At this point, you cannot get that with the Vikings-Eagle game. This game has settled on the 7. This game has pretty much settled on the 49, 49 and a half. So don't advise taking these. Uh, Of course, you could kind of say that the Eagles could make for a Wong teaser leg, but there's a lot of other good options this week, and we will go through them. I don't like taking a Wong teaser leg that's come the other way. Like, it was at 8, and now it's at 7. I would love taking a teaser leg at 7. That moves to 7.5. So in this situation, again, I would just avoid all things here. Play a DFS showdown lineup and put one of those quarterbacks in your captain spot, probably Jalen Hurts, and take home a nice cash game DFS lineup. Let's go through the Sunday games, starting with the Las Vegas Raiders visiting... The Buffalo Bills, which looked really, really bad against those Jets, you would have thought that as soon as Aaron Rodgers got hurt, the Jets just kind of were supposed to go. I mean, the Bills were just supposed to go into mistake-free football, but that's literally the exact opposite of what they played. Josh Allen throwing three picks, fumbling the ball, and having another turnover. They gave that gave that game to the Jets when they did not need to. Uh, I'm not overreacting. The Bills opened at minus eight. It's bet out to minus eight and a half. And let's see. We have minus eight and a half still available on DraftKings at minus 112. And we have nine and a halves on the board everywhere else. So I definitely did not mention, actually, I did mention nine on key numbers. But the reason why I mentioned it was to laugh at it because the nine is completely insignificant in NFL football. So seeing the difference between eight and a half and nine and a half is a lot less staggering than the difference between two and a half, three and a half, five and a half, six and a half, six and a half, seven and a half, all those other spots that we so often play into. I still played the Buffalo Bills at the minus eight and a half for half a unit just because I saw that I was gaining a full point of value versus the market. It was still probably worth putting a little exposure on. It's probably still going to climb. I would assume this DraftKing line moves to nine or nine and a half in the next day or two. This also makes for an amazing teaser leg. So I really like incorporating the bills into a teaser leg and bringing this eight and a half down at DraftKings to a two and a half. You're crossing through all of the major key numbers and you fit the, the rules 
of a Stanford Wong teaser leg. Let's go through the total for this game. Uh, I'm going to check the opening line for it right now. It opened at 49 and a half. So we are seeing some major moves towards the under. It's down to 46 and a half. I missed it. I did not even see this moving so much. We're also seeing 74% of the money on the under, 59% of the bets. So this is clearly a sharp side is on the under. If you saw this come in at 49 and a half, and now it's down to 46 and a half, and you've missed three points of movement like your boy Fids did, then this game is gone too. So I still recommend playing the under, I mean the Bills at minus eight and a half for a small bit if you see it. I still recommend teasing the Bills in this game but I do not recommend touching the total after it's faced some serious movement. Let's go through the Bengals-Ravens game, divisional game in Cincinnati, back-to-back divisional games for the Bengals, coming off the week one loss in Cleveland to the Browns, where Joe Burrow had probably his worst game ever. Again, I'm not overreacting. Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty, Joe Cool, Joey Smokes. It was a lead candidate for MVP coming into the season. I'm not overreacting to one game after he was dinged up in pre in 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 training camp and played not at all in preseason. So now he's back home. It was also raining in Cleveland, so there was so much crap going on. I think Cleveland's defense is incredibly improved this year. Um, so the Ravens, on the other hand, are a team that I couldn't really figure out after that week one game against the Texans. Now, we expected them to come lay the smacking. I think they ended up winning by 12 and covering the spread. So, yeah, that was fine. But this is different. This is a different beast. You now have injuries. We'll see if Mark Andrews comes back. But we know Dobbins done for the season. I feel so bad for that dude, Dobbins. Like, honestly, between him and Rodgers, like, I know I I can't comment on every injury that happens. But, like, whew. For Dobbins, who's been so injury-prone through his career, and he's still so young, and he's playing a position that you really have to grind out every paycheck, as we've seen this summer with the running backs. Like, I feel for J.K. Dobbins tearing his Achilles. He's probably 25 years old and potentially career over already. Like, he thought he was going to make $20 million over the course of his career, and it's probably, you know, a quarter of that. So, anyways, let's get back to the games. I bet the Bengals minus three. You could still get that at DraftKings right now. Um, 55% of the money is on the Bengals. 37% of the bets are on the Bengals. So this is a clear Sharps versus public spot. The public is taking the points with the Ravens coming off a win. And they were fading the f- and they freaking out. And they're overreacting to the Bengals off that Browns loss. Give me the Bengals and give me that minus three. I would not play this. If it's at three and a half, which I think it is at some books. Checking right now. Yeah, three and a half at FanDuel, but three still at DraftKings. If you can play that three at DraftKings, it's still worth taking. Otherwise, it's a skip. In if if you miss the minus three, then I really recommend playing the under 46 and a half. We are seeing similarly 74% of the money, 62% of the bets. So there's strong money coming in the under of this game. However, since I'm already on the Bengals, I'm not also going to play the under because playing a favorite against the spread is correlated with an over versus playing an under is correlated with an underdog. Now, of course, a three-point spread and a 46.5 total, those are both in those middle realms where like it's not a big spread, it's not a small number, so they're not overly correlated. But again, I don't like to play into these angles unless I have to or unless like I'm trying to work off a ticket. So 
Minus three is the play for me. We know three is the most important number in football. We're seeing this move to 3.5 in a lot of places, and it is clearly a public versus sharp spot. It is clearly checking that box of fade the public and ride with the big money coming into the market. Give me the Cincinnati Bengals because of the splits that are showing and because of the relative key number. This does feel like one of my best bets on the board. The next one is Indianapolis Colts at Houston Texans. I really don't think we need to talk much about this game. If you're betting the Texans-Colts game after one week of Stroud and after one week of Richardson, uh, you don't have enough information to work off of in my mind to even attack this game from a capping perspective. The numbers are around one, one and a half. The totals are right at 40 the whole time. Uh, 40 is a very important number. You don't know if these rushing quarterbacks are going to be able to break big plays and make the ball move or the clock's just going to tick away and this is going to be a low scoring game. It is a divisional game, which tends to be familiarity leads to less scoring. However, both teams are new head coach, new quarterback. So how much familiarity is there between these teams? Almost none for a divisional game. Probably the least of any two teams you could put up in a divisional game. So when there's uncertainty in the market, we go to our power of not betting, and we don't fucking touch that shit. So let's go through the Kansas City Chiefs-Jacksonville Jaguars game. I do feel like I'm on the wrong side for this one. And it is one of my biggest bets of the week. And I'm kind of biting my tongue over it. I took the Jaguars plus three for a unit and a half. I saw minus 2.5s popping up on the board. I was completely, completely expecting to to get a minus 2.5 and work off this to some degree and not keep a unit and a half there. We've now seen Kelsey likely to play. We've now seen Chris Jones signed going to play. Uh, We do see 78% of the bets, 92% of the money on the Kansas City Chiefs. People are not overreacting to what happened in week one. The total has been bouncing between 51 and 51 and a half. You know how important the 51 is. So if you're playing an under, you want a 51 and a half. If you're playing an over, you want that 51. I don't have anything there. Uh, I would lean towards the over. But again, I have to figure out what I'm going to do with this Jacksonville Jaguars plus three ticket. I'm probably just going to buy off some minus three because the splits really do suggest that this moves to three and a half. So now I'm even coming at it from the other direction of if I was playing slate on this game and if I was listening to the slate breakdown with no bets yet, I would go bet Chiefs minus three for a unit and a half, do exact opposite of what I did. And then once it comes to the plus three and a half, you start working off in a buyback in the other direction. You take the Jaguars plus three and a half for half a unit. You rock with exposure tilted towards the Chiefs and the minus three, but you also have that middle zone where you could potentially win one and tie one. And then, you know, you're working off at some positive value there. So I'm kind of kicking myself in the butt for this Chiefs Jaguars bet. I really think at this point, the more that I talk it out, I might just accept some big loss and just buy off with Chiefs minus three for a bit. So that's what I'm going to do after I record this podcast. I'm going to post that bet. Chargers Titans is a three-point spread as well. Uh, 45.5 in the totals. Opened at 44.5, so we've seen it go up a full point. There's still some 45s on the board. Tough for me to play an over with how bad Ryan Tannehill looked. 
tough for me to play an over knowing that the Chargers are still a defensive head coach. And I actually have faith in the defensive unit being a lot better. Miami Dolphins were just paper shredders this weekend. They were fucking unbelievable. Um, I do like the Titans if you could have gotten the plus three and a half. Now that it's at plus three, to me, it's a complete no bet. There's slightly more money uh, than bets being bet on the Titans. This is clear reverse line movement happening in the market. There's 22% of bets and 27% of the money on the Titans. And yet it's still coming down from minus three. I mean, minus plus three. uh, It's coming down from plus three and a half down to plus three with only 22% of the bets and 27% of the money. So that is reverse line movement. That is one of the things we love to play into the most. And I would really hope that we get a flash in the pan of a 3.5 coming back on the board. Let me quickly check if it's anywhere right now. No. Bet Rivers three, WinBet three, Caesars three, FanDuel three, DraftKings three, Bet MGM three, Points Bet three. In fact, most of them are even juiced to minus one fifteen. So I probably missed the best bet with this one. Uh, you can't even get minus one ten at any of the books that I have for the plus three. So you're actually even paying more juice and missed the huge key number on the hook. I think the Titans cover, but I think I missed the bet there. Detroit Lions are playing against the Seahawks. Another game I have absolutely no bets on. It's been at five and a half or six the whole time. Seahawks uh, were a team that I liked coming into the season from a prior's perspective. However, the they looked horrible in week one. Detroit was a team that everyone liked coming into the season. Uh, I still think the Lions played incredibly well against the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs didn't have those their some of their key players. And everyone's pointing to the Chiefs' injuries like, no, the Lions just showed up to Arrowhead, one of the toughest places to play, and still, you know, put together a nice, strong performance, pretty much mistake-free football. Uh, the total here opened at 50. It's come down to 47.5 or 47 at some places. Uh, tough for me to buy an under. When we have Seahawks who just led up 38 to the Rams and we have the Lions who are a pretty bad defense last year. They have one good game under their belt this year, um, which was the result of Sky Moore and uh, what's his name? Kadarius Tony dropping balls left and right. I don't really want to buy an under in this spot and I don't really want to buy the Lions in this spot. So this is a no play game for me. Generally lean Lions, generally lean under here. If you're going to play one of those angles, you only play one of them because you wouldn't play the favorite and the under. So I even, if you do want to play the under, maybe you play the Detroit money line because then you don't have to cover the five and a half or six point spread. So those are the angles that you could take for this game. Green Bay Packers are visiting the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons open as 1.5 dogs at home. So I'm seeing, and you guys know if you've been listening to this pod, I'm one of the Falcons' biggest fucking fans this year. Like, give me them frisky Atlanta Falcons. If they're going to be a home underdog, I'm going to take them, especially against the Green Bay Packers, to me, which haven't proved anything. They proved they could still beat the shit out of the Chicago Bears because the Chicago Bears have not proven anything. They have, they're have they the hype train. They're the biggest hype team of the offseason. I might have bought into it for a moment here or there. I was on the Packers-Bears over for that game, which hit, but I was not on the Bears at all. 
Uh, Packers, I don't think are that great, and they're getting tons of love from the sharp market. I am on them in the divisional race, but I'm also on the Falcons in so many ways. And right now, it feels like these are two teams the sharp markets are loving, with more of the public thinking that it's Packers love. So I'm seeing 23% of the bets, 30% of the money coming in on the Falcons. We are seeing a bouncing line. It was at 1.5. It's been at 1. It's been at 2. It's back to 1.5. It seems to have settled in this spot. The total is also pretty much settled in at 40.5. This opened at 40.5. It's flashed up to 41. I was thinking about even rocking an over. But there's been like, it's been bouncing under from its original overbet. So I just don't want to play into it. I'm on the Falcons plus 1.5 as a home underdog. Sign me up for that every time this season. Give me the Falcons with points at home. Great coaching staff, great run game, great offensive line. And I think they're easy schedule. And I think they're just going to be so much better than everyone expects this year. So I don't think we're getting many Falcons home dogs again this season. So take it while it's there. Chicago Bears against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This game, actually, I just shit on the Bears. I'm on the Bears this game. I grabbed that plus three. I noticed that we had 46% of the bets, 52% of the money. I noticed that a lot of these threes were being pulled off the market, and it was simply a numbers and market play for myself. There was stronger money than volume on the three. There was threes drawing up on the board. And we know three is the most important number where you can simply work off the other direction and obtain positive value because three happens in recent years north of 18% of the time, right? So like, and the favorite wins these games like 66% of the time. So that's like a, you could you could put the number that people have different opinions on this, but you can put the number anywhere and, and it's not opinions. It's factually based on how you're splitting the dates up and how far you're going back versus how recent data you're using. And if you're using too small of a sample size versus too big, blah, 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 blah. It's between eight and 12% for the favorite landing on the three. And if you're paying for a middle spot, you're paying 5% implied probability with minus 10s on one side. So for those reasons, even if one side's a push, now it's like seven and a half percent implied. Uh, you're gonna gain. You're gonna obtain positive value by winning around that three number. So I would take the Bears plus three if you still have it at any minus one ten spot. Uh, the Giants are in Arizona to take on the Cardinals. The Giants look like the worst fucking team in the world last week. They look like the Chattanooga Community College playing against Alabama. The Cowboys being Alabama. Uh, this week, they take on the Cardinals, which actually might be the Chattanooga Community College of the NFL this season. So we have two community colleges playing one another in the desert. Uh, Giants open at five and a half point favorite. It gets bet out briefly to six and then comes back to five and a half. Uh, I don't want to touch that. I bet the under 39 in this game, and I think I fucked up because now it's up to 40, and 40 is the second most important total number. So even if I still wanted to play an under and go contrarian playing against the line movement, I would have still missed a really important number. So objectively speaking, factually, I do this based on process and not results. If this wins, fucking great. Fantastic. I'm hoping for it. But betting that under 39 on the Giants Cardinals was objectively a bad bet. I could have gotten a better number, and I don't care how it ends. The number was important. I missed it. 
I could have waited a little longer. I would have gotten a better angle or just not played that angle at all. So we're seeing 41% of bets, 49% of money towards the over. So a little bit of even reverse line movement happening towards the over. These books are following the sharp accounts, not the public accounts. I was one of those public accounts coming in on an under 39 like a schmuck. So I would avoid playing any Giants-Cardinals game. I think this is a nice target for DFS. Like really, uh, like do you play a Danny Dimes in a GPP? Can you play like a Slayton or a Hodgins or something like that and try and hit big? Uh, Rondell Moore possibly on the other side. I think the best way to play this is put Giants in your survivor pool. I do think Giants end up taking this game. They're incredibly well coached under Dayball. It didn't show in that first game under the big lights in New York uh, Sunday night football. But I think that's a bury the football, crush the tapes, burn the tapes, forget about it, and move on. The Giants looked fantastic this preseason. I'm not going to let one game against the Cowboys, which I think are lights out really good, change things. It started with like a blocked field goal return to the house and then a fumble. That also, I think that the Cowboys had multiple defensive touchdowns. Some of this is anomalous that you can't bank on happening again and again. Now, I loved what I saw from the Cowboys. But that doesn't mean I hate what I see from the Giants. It doesn't work both ways. So I think the Giants are a safe play from a survivor pool standpoint. I would lean them in the five and a half spread because I think the Cardinals are literal Swiss cheese. So many holes in their team. But I don't want to play that game. Uh, 49ers Rams opens as a eight point favorite. We're seeing it come down or to seven and a half. So definitely some. Smart money or in the Rams. Now, this is confusing that I look at it because it's not reverse line movement. It's kind of just a bouncing market and just a fucking stay away with bright lights beaming at us. A McVeigh versus Shanahan. Generally, Shanahan dominates. We are on the road at McVeigh. So how does that factor in? We have Team McVeigh coming off a amazing divisional win in week one. Uh, we are having Shanahan come off a dominant road win. So now you look at this, the, the travel splits and San Francisco always is one of the worst travel things because they're in the North Cali top left of the, of the United States map. So they have to travel far to go everywhere. It's not like they're like, you know, in Nashville, like the Titans and everything's a much quicker trip because they're central. Uh, you have the 49ers traveling to Pittsburgh last week, then going back to San Francisco and then going down to LA. So it is a tough travel spot for the 49ers, uh, the Rams, you could back them with divisional familiarity and you're getting a nice plus seven and a half while the under is 44 and a half. So it's, you know, let me check where that opened. It opened at 44. So that's actually going towards the over in that game. So that's actually not the best correlated angle. It's still a small total where you could say maybe they're related, but we're getting movement towards the Rams, movement towards the over. Things are gibberish in this market. It's bouncing a little bit. These coaches are pure best friends slash rivals. Um, so yeah, I, I just wouldn't, wouldn't touch this game. I have no bets myself on it. Enjoy it because it should be a fun one to watch. Nonetheless, the Washington commanders are going to Denver to take on the Broncos Broncos losing by one point against the division Raiders. They're going to need a win this week and they're going to get it. I took the minus 175 money line. I think this is going to be pushed out a little further. I saw the three and a half spread and I didn't want to play the three and a half spread. 
because it's a 38.5 total with a lot of money on the under. So hell no, am I going to have to cover a three and a half? Just give me the money line, wash away the points, and let me not worry about the spread. I only bet one unit to bring home less than a unit. I didn't want to have nearly two units of exposure on a juiced money line. Uh, that's kind of my approach to this. You could still play that minus 175 money line. The market seems to have settled, but the commanders did not look good. They don't seem to be that well-coached of a team. Broncos, on the other hand, they are a very well-coached team. I am a Sean Payton supporter in what he could do on a football field. So they had a lot of missed opportunities and some injuries in that week one. We'll see if Judy's back. We'll see if they get another weapon. I do think that the Broncos handled the commanders and you could play the money line. The Jets, Sons, Aaron Rodgers are going to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. All the bets in this game are gone. I bet the uh, Cowboys under, I bet the Cowboys money line at minus 162, even before the Jets-Bills game kicked off. Now, that changes everything because of the Rodgers injury. I call this sad CLV. I don't want to have, I don't want my tickets to be looking as good as they do in this game. They look fantastic. It's now out to a minus 410. I could play the plus 320 on the Jets and instantly take home money. I could play, you know, the the over 39 and a half and have so many key numbers, the 40, the 41, the 44, the 45, all on my side for a middle spot. I don't know how I'm going to approach this. I'm going to keep waiting and see if there's any re- reverb in the market. I might just let these good tickets ride because they look great and it might be foregoing value to open up a middle here. It's not standard closing line value where we beat the market. One of the best players in the world got really hurt. That's why we call it sad CLV. Whether or not you like Aaron Rodgers, that dude woke up Tuesday morning needing, or I don't know if he's had it yet, whether it's today, Wednesday morning, he'll probably wake up Thursday morning, a 39-year-old elite athlete, man, who now needs insanely major surgery and will have months and months and months of rehab. And will be heavily scooting around on that little scoot one-legged scooter thing that you put your knee on and you, you push with the other. It's like a skateboard rehab scooter. I don't know what to call it. Aaron Rodgers is going to be doing that for months. He thought he was going to be playing for potential playoff bid, ending the Jets' drought of being the longest team without a playoff bid, going for a potential Super Bowl. This team was really fucking good. They had a dominant defense like we just saw on display. They had weapons. You see what Garrett Wilson did on that touchdown? Holy shit. So sad CLV, no matter how you feel about Aaron Rodgers. I know it was a bit controversial through the COVID stuff, whatever. Like, it is sad that this guy is facing major surgery and it just goes so 180 the other way so quickly uh i don't i don't know how you would approach that game with the new news i I, for me it's just let the good bets that i already made probably just let them ride maybe i do a very late and small buyback um dolphins patriots dolphins looked fucking awesome last week. They go in New England. New England lost, but if any team that lost looked fucking awesome, I would have said it was the New England Patriots. Uh, This line has been 
opened at minus two. It's come out to minus two and a half because of the amount of money that's come in on the Dolphins. I don't know if it's public or sharp money. 84% of bets, 84% of money on both sides. 16% of bets, 16% of money on the Patriots side. I don't think it's going to get to this three because then we're going to have a lot of Patriots money come back in and there's going to be tons of buyback. So it is going to be stuck on this 2.5. I love the Patriots as a Wong teaser leg. You have the perfect opportunity to do an AFC East teaser this week, taking the Patriots and pushing them up to eight and a half and bringing that Bills line, which we saw go from eight to eight and a half to nine and a half. You could still nab that eight and a half on DraftKings with the Patriots plus two and a half on DraftKings. Both are currently available at the same book, which means you can tease them together. Both are fantastic Wong teaser legs, and you can have an AFC East Stanford Wong teaser of the week. I already have submitted that exact bet. So the reason why I don't like the Eagles minus seven is because it's going against the market with uh, a Wong teaser leg. I'd rather use Bill's. I'd rather use the Houston Texans. I'd rather use the Atlanta Falcons, which I'm already on the plus 1.5. You could bring that up to plus 7.5. I'd rather use the San Francisco 49ers and bring them down to minus 1.5 because Shanahan has historically dominated McVay. And I'd rather use the Patriots and bring them up to 8.5. So those are all better options than that Eagles original line that we talked about for the Thursday game. You don't need to force a bet for that Thursday game. I love the Patriots plus two and a half used in a teaser leg this weekend. Uh, let's go over the total for that game. I just want to see where it came in. It opened at 44 and we're seeing huge movement towards the over. We're actually only seeing 60% of bets, 59% of money towards the over. So it must've been pretty sharp action and respected books that hit the over on this line. Now that you've missed the 44 and 45 and it's at 46 and a half, that shit is gone. Do not play it. There's going to be buybacks coming in the other way in a matter of time, so I wouldn't bet it. You also have the New England Patriots defense, which is fantastic this year. The There are two Monday night games. The Saints take on the Panthers. Uh, three and a half point spread, 40 on the total. I grabbed the under 40.5. It briefly went up to 41. And then it came back down, and now there's even 40s on the board. So this makes me feel good about myself. 39.5 at FanDuel right now. Wow. All right. So I got a good line there. Uh, I was uncertain at the moment. I mean, it would have been nice to have gotten the 41 when it flashed there for a flash in the pan moment. But okay, I'm on the under 40.5. If you see this at 40, you could play the under for a much smaller bet than my 40.5. It wouldn't go full unit. I'd go quarter unit. I'd go a third of a unit, I'd bet lunch money, make it a pizza, um, because you're going to miss that hook on the win if it lands right on 40, and 40 is the second most common outcome, so again, we don't want to, we want to get these numbers before the outcome, because we're not just betting the name and the angle, Panthers, Saints, under, no, it's not just Panthers, Saints, under, it's Panthers, Saints, under 40.5 at minus 110 odds, because when that moves, I have a 52.38% implied probability on the odds, and then I could replay something potentially on the over 39 and a half and rework it the other direction. So there's a lot of options. And when we are playing this and we're breaking things down from a numbers, it is not just the angle. It is the actual value that is associated with it. The Browns are taking on the Steelers. There seems to be 
uh, some inclement weather expected for this game. I grabbed Browns minus one. It's out to Browns minus two. I grabbed um, the under 42 and a half. It's come down to 39 and a half. It does seem like this is weather related CLV. It does seem like it's uh, public and sharp action on the Browns for the, the spread. I'm definitely going to do some sort of buybacks on this game because we have the 41 and the 40 on our side in that total. So I'll definitely buy back a little bit, especially if it looks the weather looks at all clear. If it's torrential, maybe I let it rock. Same thing with the spread. I'm probably going to buy back a little bit on the plus two because of the weather. Now, even though that's not generally the best idea, if you generally have a minus one and you and it pushes out to minus two, you let it rock because there's not enough value to be obtained. But if you have a lot of money, like I do, I have 3x that amount on the total and the total's correlated with a dog and we have an ugly weather or game, that's when like any shit can happen. So give me a little bit plus two eventually. Right now I'm on minus one for the Browns and I'm on under 42 and a half. So that is the week two slate breakdown. I gave out like 13 or 14 best bets on there. Of course, you can see all of those best bets on my Twitter, on my Substack, or in the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel. And now what my butt's got to do is pull up the DraftKings board, use all of this information to go break down the week two spend up options on a DFS slate. I am going to pull up the classic tournament right now. I'm going to click draft on this team. Choose a quarterback. All right, let's start with the quarterback position like we always do on these slate breakdowns. I will cover every player that's listed above $7,000. Or if we don't have that, I will go through the top five options at their position. So Patrick Mahomes is the highest spend quarterback on the slate at 8,300. He's playing in Jacksonville. We have a high point total in that game at 51. We have sharp money on the Chiefs. We ain't overreacting to that Chiefs uh, loss in week one. We are thinking Travis Kelsey is going to be back. This is one of those situations where we're going to have more information before we actually need to play this. So I would think Mahomes does make for a very strong play unless all of a sudden we find out that Kelsey's out. So for now, as of this recording, as of three o'clock West Coast time on Wednesday, September 13th. I think Mahomes makes for a great play. Opponent ranked 28th. We saw Anthony Richardson, you know, have a rushing touchdown, have a throwing touchdown in this game. So I think Mahomes, Mahomes looked very shifty in week one. He was moving and grooving around the pocket. I think Mahomes, obviously, what can you say about knickknack, paddywhack, give me Patrick Mahomes. He's always a safe option. Josh Allen, might be a better GPP type play because everyone's scared off after week one. A lot of public GPPers in those bigger tournaments are not going to be playing Josh Allen. However, the sharp market and the totals and all that jazz says, play Josh Allen, play the bills, use them in teasers. Don't be scared off of that one bad week because they're going to come back with authority this weekend. 7,900 on Josh Allen. Very intriguing. Lamar Jackson. I will not be playing Lamar Jackson this week because I am on the Cincinnati Bengals. I really think the Bengals defense is really good. And I'm pretty sure we talked about that total coming down towards the under. We did because I'm on the Bengals minus three, but I'm not playing the under 46 and a half, even though that's where my brain goes. So why would I take a quarterback when I'm on the other team and on the under? So I will not be playing Lamar Jackson, although, I mean, come on. 
He's Lamar Jackson. I wouldn't blame you if you did it. Justin Fields, I'm on the Chicago Bears. This might be a – you could call it a buy-low opportunity. However, he's still 7600 bucks. So I think if Fields has one more horrible week, we might be in on the Fields train. Uh, Tampa Bay defense is surprisingly a lot better. They still have a lot of the core pieces that they won the Super Bowl with, even though they're a few years older now. Very veteran Tampa Bay defense. So uh, not going to play Justin Fields against them. I actually think the right zag right there would be to play Tampa D. Uh, Even though I'm on the Bears for that game, I'm not going to touch it in DFS. Justin Herbert is not only the fifth option that comes in at quarterback. He's the last $7,000 price tag. Uh, going against that Tennessee Titans, we are seeing it slightly jumped towards the over, but a lot of smart money on the Tennessee Titans this week. We need to see what happens with Austin Eckler. If Eckler's out, I don't think that makes me want to play Herbert. I think that means Josh Kelly more run on the ground, and then Herbert's missing another option that's very important for him in the flats in his passing game. So against a smart Mike Vrabel defense that just allowed 16 points in week one to the Saints, I do think that Herbert probably not the best play. Looking through these top five that I just mentioned, for me, it's either number one or number two. It's Mahomes or Josh Allen. And we could definitely go through some value options, just looking at it quick. I mean, Anthony Richardson against the Texans, uh, Goff at home in the Dome against Seattle, Daniel Jones in the Desert against the Cardinals. Uh, Gino also in that dome against the Lions defense. There's actually a lot of good value option quarterbacks. So check back later in the week when we do that show. And we will review which good dart throws we like to throw the darts. Uh, Going through the running back position, Christian McCaffrey, 8,900. Dude is a beast. Absolute beast. What do you have? 150 yards all all purpose and a touchdown last week? Monster. Nothing wrong to say with McCaffrey. If you got budget, go for it. DraftKings full point PPR in division game rivalry week. McCaffrey's going to be very heavily used. McVay's not going to know what hit him. Austin Eckler. The reason why we do these shows generally, I do them on Tuesdays, but my microphone, one of the cords, was broken, so I had to record on Wednesday. The reason why we do these spend up shows earlier in the week is because we know who's going to be healthy that we are willing to spend that money on. Austin Eckler coming to this week with a banged up ankle. I don't think you want to be playing into the Eckler realm. Also, Tennessee ranking first against the running back. Why would we do that? So we could skip Eckler this week. Saquon Barkley, love, love, love my guy, Quan. Um, Giants playing again in the desert in Arizona. Horrible field in Arizona. I mean, if you remember the Super Bowl last year, atrocious field that has to make me nervous again uh, for Saquon, like the Giants field does too. But I do think Giants taking some sharp side in this game. I do think the over trending a little bit in that direction. Saquon makes for a great play at 8,000. The Giants are going to need a dub. And when you need a dub and you're the New York Giants, you get Saquon Barkley the ball because everyone else on the team, it's Saquon Barkley in a bag of chips, as they say. Bijan Robinson comes in at 7,900 at home underdog against Green Bay. Was a little bit concerned about the Bijan versus Algier usage. Actually, Call me the opposite of concerned. I have Algier in my season-long fantasy. I was thrilled by the Bijan uh, Algier usage, but for fantasy, for DFS purposes, it doesn't make me want to go play into Bijan right now. The rankings for Green Bay's defense being 29th against the rush is also inflated because they just played against the Bears in uh, Fields, Herbert, and Roshan. And those guys are like yards eaters. And 
that they were down so much and Green Bay was still rushing. So, I mean, uh, the Bears were still rushing. So, I don't think it's realistic to say that, oh, Bijan's playing against a terrible run defense this week. That's not the truth. Uh, it's too much of a small sample size. Tony Pollard going against the Jets defense. Woo! Do you want to play TP against the Jets defense? Jets defense looks shisty, nice yesterday against the the Bills. Um, I do think Pollard could make for a good play because he's going to get so many opportunities. So full point PPR. I think Dak's going to have the ball a lot because I think this Jets offense going against this Cowboy defense is going to really struggle to maintain possession. So if this is a possessions type of game, Tony Pollard's definitely a feasible option. I don't. I wouldn't be too concerned about that Jets defense because the opportunity share for Pollard in this game might be so elite that it's still worth paying the seven thousand five hundred. Derrick Henry, uh, seven thousand four hundred. If you look at the snap count, I think Tajay Spears had more snaps than Derrick Henry in this game. That is absolutely terrifying. I'm not going to play Derrick Henry until some of that stuff gets sorted out a little bit and we get a clearer picture. Josh Jacobs, seven thousand one hundred. He's the last guy that we'll talk about. Since I'm on the Buffalo Bills in so many ways, it's not the most inspiring moment to go play the Vegas Raiders running back because if this game is a shootout and the Bills are winning by a lot, then this is going to be a game that's played more in the air. So I don't love the idea of a Josh Jacobs. I would actually prefer in that very game to look for a value running back on the Bills side, whether that's a Damian Harris or a James Cook. We can get into that later this week. Let's do, go through the running back. Stefan Diggs comes in as the number one receiver. Love my man, Diggy Diggs. He will be paired with Josh Allen if you're playing Josh Allen, especially in GPPs. So that makes for a great top of the board stack that you could do. Jamar Chase, I'm actually fine with him this week. He's playing against the, the Baltimore Ravens. Of course, you guys know him on the Bengals. It is a game going towards the under, but Jamar Chase is such an elite weapon. I do think I'm not overreacting to Burrow's 80 yards and Chase's bad week one. Forget about it. Uh, uh, Monra St. Brown coming in as the third highest receiver option on the board. Good for him. I mean, of course, we're missing a few key names in this slate. Um, but Amonra to come in at third, like that's damn, damn impressive. We don't have Justin Jefferson. He's playing Thursday. We don't have A.J. Brown. He's playing Thursday. On Monday, we don't have Olave, Amari Cooper. Yeah, so like, you know, who's playing Sunday night? Oh, Tyreek. Okay, so yeah, a few people are missing for Amon Ra to be third on the list, but he's still an elite weapon. He deserves to be up in this tier. Uh, love Amon Ra, if you're, especially if you're playing golf. I think Amon Ra makes for a really, really great start this week. The only caveat is that last year, uh, the cornerback, I think his name is Tariq Woolen for the Seahawks, was absolutely locked down. He didn't have a great week one, but he's still an amazing, amazing, amazing shutdown corner who might be on Amonra all game. So that would be the only point of hesitation. But Amonra, so shifty, so crafty, so high usage in the dome with Goff, should be on the winning side of this game. I do think Amonra, pretty safe guy to have like 11 targets, 80 yards plus type of situation. C.D. Lamb is a guy that I would avoid this week. I am playing C.D. Lamb myself in season-long fantasy because, of course, I just can't swap out of C.D. Lamb in a season-long fantasy league on a week-to-week basis. Going against the Jets, he'll have Sauce Gardner on him. So, yeah, I will not be playing C.D. Lamb. Uh, Devontae Adams already got a questionable tag. He's in this Vegas Raiders-Buffalo game. So, if Devontae plays, let's see what this questionable tag is. 
held out of Wednesday's practice with a foot injury, although there was no sign of trouble in Sundays when he ran every route on every pass play. So it really feels like a maintenance day for Devontae Adams just because he's a he's a vet. So right now I have no fear in playing Devontae Adams. I actually love the idea of playing Devontae Adams, especially if you're playing Josh Allen and Diggs. The idea of going Josh Allen, Diggs, Devontae Adams on the flip side is dauntingly scary it's amazing for a gpp it's even considerable for a cash game lineup because the best stack that you can do in dfs is not quarterback wide receiver it's actually wide receiver and opponent wide receiver right so you can't play into that in a season-long league because you can't draft players that are going to be playing against each other every week because no one plays against each other every week you just play a maximum of twice times against each other in the course of a season. But for this week, we have Devontae playing against Diggs, and we have the spend-up option of Josh Allen. So I like all three of them. Sneakily, also, Jimmy G ran quite a bit in week one. I think Jimmy G ran like seven or eight times in that game. So Jimmy G paired with Devontae Adams, paired with Diggs, is just another way to hit this from a value perspective. Garrett Wilson, I will not be playing with Zach Wilson uh, probably at all this season anymore, especially against the Dallas defense. That was easy. We can cover it quickly. Calvin Ridley, 7,200. Wow, do I love the idea of playing Calvin Ridley this week, especially if you're playing Mahomes. You go quarterback, one of Mahomes' weapons, and then opponent wide receiver in Ridley. It really felt like Trevor Lawrence, or you can go Trevor Lawrence, Ridley, and Kelsey. And, and try and hit that, you know, it's an over under 51 of that game, one of the highest on the board of the week. So you want to target this Kansas City Jacksonville game. So there's some really great options there. Uh, it felt like Lawrence was looking for Ridley on damn near every play. So for DFS purposes, that's what you love to see. Keenan Allen uh, comes in. Oh, there's two more. Keenan Allen and DK Metcalf, the last two players over 1,000. Uh, we are seeing this. We are seeing this um, Chargers-Tennessee game be sharp towards the over, and we are seeing a little bit of Tennessee action come in, and the Tennessee defense in the secondary is atrocious. Atrocious. So I think Keenan Allen actually makes for a great play. I think he's going to be in a lot of optimizers this week. DK Metcalf, also a great play. Again, if you're going Amon Ra, if you're going Jared Goff, and you want to reverse with DK Metcalf, I love it. He's just got to get in the end zone and have the day. I think uh, he does face some competition with Lockett and JSN, but she, I mean, he's still DK Metcalf. Go look at anytime you want to doubt your likeness of, of uh, DK Metcalf, go to Google images, look at his eight pack and realize this dude is probably the biggest freak in the NFL. So yeah, I'll take him any day of the week. Uh, going through the tight end landscape, there's really no elite tight ends to really talk about. Kelsey, 7,600, uh, limited in Wednesday's practice. So that's really a good sign for him to play. Mark Andrews, limited Wednesday's practice, starting to be a good sign for him to play. Darren Waller, non-participant in Wednesday's practice with the hamstring. He did play last week, so it's probably just a rest day. Uh, Come back later in the week for the value options episode in tight ends because I refuse to start talking about Evan Ingram and Tyler Higbee as elite spend-ups when we've been talking about Diggs, Chase, McCaffrey, Eckler, Josh Allen. It just doesn't make sense to include Tyler Higbee in this episode right now. Uh, defenses, 49ers, Cowboys are the two spend up options. Cowboys going against the Jets, uh, make for a sweet darling of a matchup. I do think the Jets are going to run the ball a lot. I do think they're going to try and take the game and not let Zach Wilson 
you know, throw them out of it. So mm, Cowboys might have some limited opportunities to generate points, even though they should have a limited points against them. I don't know if I love the Cowboys this week. I mean, they're probably going to be pretty well-owned after last week. I'm starting to look like I'd love, I love my Falcons on the on home underdogs. Like, is that just a sneaky 2,900? I'll come back later this week with some good value options defenses because I do feel like there are some. Where are the Bills? Bills, 3,700. We'll come back and we'll hit defenses pretty hard later in the week. That wraps up the week two slate breakdown. Again, the most loaded podcast you can listen to if you're betting NFL games. We hit week one with a little, you know, a little quick knock on the door, a little quick, how you doing? Keep it moving. We fucking dominated week one. We don't need to review about it because that shit is in the past and we are moving forward and chugging along and trying to keep smoking these books and taking their money. So uh, we will look to do that week two. I gave out 12 or plus more best bets on this podcast. I gave you guys a heaping host of DFS players to target, and I will be back later this week to check in on the market again, to update any new bets, and to go through the value options and eventually the core four of my DFS players. Thank you guys for listening, and as always, peace out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.